0: If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I will begin reading in verse 1, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I did want to say thank you for allowing me to go to Oregon and to get sick and to not preach while I was there. But it was truly a blessing to spend time with the Samuels family and what's happening there. Um, It's wonderful to see what the Lord is doing through uh, Mike and Brooke and their family. So continue to pray for them. Hope in the Grove is, by God's grace, they continue to grow as a church. Um, So today... We are not finishing the Beatitudes. It looks like we are, but we're not. Um, we will continue. Next week will be an overview. So if you missed one of the many weeks walking through the Beatitudes, don't miss next week. You get a preview, a review of all of them put together as we look into what it looks like to be a Christian fully. Um, so, Beatitude number eight this morning. The Sermon on the Mount is absolutely rich concerning The character of God. As God's children, we learn from the Lord. We learn from this teaching how we are to live holy lives that please the Lord in every area of life. This sermon is actually, it's really informing us of the right and good old path in which we are to walk. The right and good old path in which we are to walk as Christians. These eight beatitudes, they build, they grow upon one another, and They're all connected, and they're all progressing. They're moving forward, moving from the inward results of salvation to the outward fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in the life of his children. So today we reach our final beatitude, number eight. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So let's look at these progressing and building beatitudes together. Go back to beatitude number one, the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who acknowledge your need for mercy and they show mercy to others. That's number five. They are the ones who mourn their sin, number two. And those who mourn their sin, they are the ones who are pure in heart, number six. The meek, number three, those who are meek for the Lord, before the Lord, they serve as peacemakers, number seven. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, number four, they live righteous lives and they will be persecuted for righteousness' sake, number eight. So when we looked at Beatitude number seven, going back to two weeks ago, I declared, blessed are the peacemakers. But the process of being a peacemaker, it is a hard work. It is not something that actually lightens up over a period of time because you see more sin in your own life and you see more sin around you. The work of peacemaking gets harder and harder and harder. And those who serve as peacemakers in this life, that leads us to number eight today, those who serve as peacemakers, they will be persecuted. Peacemaking leads to persecution. The first seven Beatitudes, they build and they grow, and the result is that when we live a righteous life, pleasing the Lord, the world will not accept you, the world will persecute you. So I'm going to divide our text this morning into three areas. Area one, the journey home. The journey home. Area two, arriving home. You may be thinking about that a lot. I am. Arriving home. And area three, never ever alone. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the journey home. You see, only the souls in this life who were justified before God are able to live holy lives. And those who are able to live holy lives, they can do so because their faith has taken hold of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And these justified souls who please the Lord, they're on the narrow path headed for the eternal kingdom of heaven. These words say they set our hearts and our minds on a beautiful promise, and this promise is only for God's children. The promise is this, the kingdom of heaven is approaching and our Savior has prepared it for us. The kingdom of heaven is approaching and the Savior has prepared it for us. The kingdom of heaven is ours. But our present work of being peacemakers, of belonging to Christ, walking in his ways, while the majority belong to Satan, the majority hating God, is a difficult road to walk. I mean, just reviewing these beatitudes that Christ preached, we are the poor in spirit, while the world believes they are good and entitled. We mourn our sin and the sin around us, while the world loves their sin, and they suppress the truth. We are the meek. The world is prideful and self-absorbed. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. The world hungers and thirsts for wickedness. We are the merciful. The world hasn't experienced the mercy of God, and therefore they cannot extend it. They are the merciless. We are the pure in heart, while their hearts are desperately sick, spiritually lifeless. We are the peacemakers, while the world is who we are trying to reach because they are absent of and in need of eternal peace with God. The blessed life of the Christian will be like the life of Christ, their Savior, a life of persecution. Persecution, to make run or flee, to be driven away, to be pursued, to be harassed, troubled, mistreated, Our journey home as Christians is not free from hardships, trials, sufferings, or persecution. When we live the words of this sermon, the world will hate us as they hated Jesus. Remember, as the God-man in whom no deceit could be found, they yelled, crucify him, while they demanded for the release of Barabbas, a murderer. Now, I'm not speaking of being persecuted for doing evil. I'm speaking of being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. For following Christ and imaging him, we will be persecuted. Many times we can watch shows or we can be in conversations and we can think about certain things in which everything has a beautiful wrap-up ending. That's absolutely true, but it won't happen in this life. Many are persecuted because of sin, pride, foolish living. Many are suffered for their political views or a cause other than for the sake of righteousness. It seems many in the church today love a divine amen, but it has nothing to do with living a righteous life. The world did not lovingly embrace Jesus Christ as he spoke about sin, repentance, and salvation. They wanted his temporary gifts, but they did not accept or want the truth that he taught. John 15 instructs us of the world's hatred for Christ as well as for his children. John 15, beginning in verse 18, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world... Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the world that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they did not know him who sent me. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because have been with me from the beginning. As slaves of Christ, we are not above our Master. We will be persecuted as Christ was as we image him in this world. We have been chosen out of this world, but not yet taken. Chosen to live a holy life among this lost world, as well as before the Lord. Christ chose us out of the world, therefore the world will hate us. Second Timothy 3, those are familiar words to you. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus might be persecuted. No. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believe, knowing from whom you 've learned it, how from childhood you 've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, all of scripture. Is God breathed and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. You know, sometimes we can read these words and we can honestly come before them and start thinking about, but my life is not persecuted like theirs, and you're probably absolutely correct. But if you see what they're saying, in whatever persecution you are experiencing, continue in what you have learned. So in times of hardship and trials and sufferings, you continue in what you have learned, meaning you press down deep into your solid, biblical, good, old path foundation, and you remain on it. Like if you're not suffering for Christ in any way, if following Christ is not costing you anything, maybe you only know of Christ and you are not his child. If you're not suffering for Christ in little ways at the moment, perhaps you're failing to continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed because the overall result of not resting in Christ is not pleasing him. If you're not pleasing him, why wouldn't suffering need to come? Dr. Martin Lowe Jones said, the real Christian is a man who is not praised by everybody. They did not praise our Lord, and they will never praise the man who is like him. So how are you living like unbelievers? Well, I'm saved. I read read my Bible, okay, and you still stumble like I do. Like, identify the areas in your life in which you were living like an unbeliever. Pray over those things. Pray with someone over those things. Pray about those things. And continue to work on those things for the glory of God. Have you made peace with one or multiple sins that are in your present life? Sins concerning your relationship with God? Sins concerning your relationship with other? Sins concerning you and your spouse? Sins concerning you and your children? I'm embarrassed to say the older I get, the more sins I see in my life, but I praise God for that because he's revealing those to me slowly and not all at once. Are you comfortable with the ways of this world? Find the areas in which you have become comfortable. Have you accepted sins in your home, in your marriage, at work, or in your community? The journey home as Christians is a journey of continuing in what we have learned and what we have believed, the good old narrow path of following Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4 Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Even in our speech, we can oftentimes surprisingly speak of, I cannot believe I'm being persecuted as if it's strange. As if we connect well with the rest of the world versus we've been chosen to be holy. We've been called out by God to be holy. We've been set apart to be holy. Rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of God and God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is the time of judgment to begin at the household of God. If it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Many are shocked to hear this eighth beatitude because, frankly, they only hear of the love of God and their view of God is wrong when compared to the God of the Bible. That's what we encounter all the time when we go out and share the gospel with people. Yeah, but God is a God of love. Yeah, but God is a God of love. Yeah, God is a God of love. My God would never do this. Well, your God's not the God of the Bible. A journey home includes suffering. And in your suffering, you are to glorify the Lord. Maybe you're asking yourself the question, but what does that look like? It's continuing the path in which you've already been on. You continue to press down into the God whom you know has saved you and has called you it's continuing to pray. It's having sleepless nights. It's having difficulties of, of moving forward. It's talking to other brothers and sisters in Christ, getting help, asking for prayer, getting accountability. You trust your souls in the hands of your faithful creator, and you remain his slave in doing good. It says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to the faithful creator while doing good. So in other words, as a Christian, we also need to comprehend that if you are suffering, it's God's will that you are suffering. And trust your soul to the faithful creator during your times of suffering. Don't always go to the Lord saying, Lord, remove this suffering. No, you need this suffering because this life as well as the life to come, they're both about Christ. Trust your souls in the hands of your faithful creator. Remain his slave in doing good. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard, but I'm saying it will be hard. But praise God, you're not alone, right? You were adopted into a family. Philippians 1, or let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come, see you, or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you, for the sake of Christ. Key word here, granted. It has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So our journey home is a path full of persecution. This persecution has been granted to us as God's children for the sake of Christ. There is a reason for all of our suffering. We suffer for Christ and we suffer for his glory. Even in your suffering, you please God. People see your suffering. The church sees your suffering. Outside sources see your suffering. There is a reason for all of our suffering. Otherwise, we're doubting the will of God and we're not entrusting our soul to God. We're only entrusting our soul to God when things are going our way. Our journey home is full of persecution. The world hates righteousness. The world hates righteous living. As speakers of the truth, we will be hated. We have a teenager in our house, and I think a lot about my teenage years now. Those years I have longed, wished to forget. And I think about how I lived and what I did and what I did not do and what I wish I could go back and do. But as speakers of the truth, we will be hated. As we mourn sin, we will be made fun of. When we are meek, we will be labeled as weak. As we extend mercy, we will be criticized. When we follow Christ, we will be persecuted. Our journey home as followers of Christ is full of persecution, and our persecution is not limited to physical harm. For some reason, in our minds, we think persecution is only something physical. The world hates our values. Persecution includes verbal hatred, abuse, evil words, slander, gossip, being labeled an outcast for following Christ, standing up for what we know to be true, taking criticism, insulted because we're too narrow, experiencing loneliness as you're surrounded by haters of God who think themselves as good, being mocked for what you believe. We still have grown men and women who believe popularity is the absolutely end game. Lies will be spread. You will be falsely accused as a Christian. Our hearts of flesh are surrounded by hearts of stone. Opposition will automatically occur. Persecution comes in many forms, but this narrow path of following Jesus, it's the good old path that includes persecution. Let us not buy into the false, wicked truth that a life of following Jesus is a carefree path. I've had one moment in my life where I've almost lost it with a person in church who walked into these doors and declared that if this person would just have more faith, they would be absent of their suffering. And I about lost it. And so many people today, they've already purchased it. They agree with that. This world is full of false teachers who declare that faith in Christ equals a carefree life. They preach your best life now. They talk about a life of comfort, a life of ease, a life absent of pain. They ask for money and they promise blessing without that of the Lord. They declare that you need a stronger faith and your problems will just wash away. This is foolish junk food being delivered to the masses and its end is the damning of souls in hell. And those people who teach that, they will one day stand before a holy God and give an account of their life. And I'm terrified for that. But how terrifying would it be if the church didn't stand up and proclaim the truth? The Old Testament prophets did not live comfortable lives. Jesus Christ was crucified for living a righteous life. The followers of Jesus did not experience blessings only. They were also granted hardships for the sake of Christ. Of the 12 apostles, 11 were brutally killed. Peter was crucified upside down. Matthew was killed by a sword. James, a half brother of Jesus and the leader of the Jerusalem church, he was thought to be thrown off the side of a pinnacle of the temple because he refused to deny his faith. And after the hundred foot fall, they found him to still be alive, so they beat him with clubs. James, a son of Zebedee, he was beheaded. Bartholomew was whipped to death in Asia. For just preaching. Philip was thought to be crucified. Simon was thought to be sawed in half for not denying the faith. Andrew, Peter's brother, was crucified on an X shaped cross, but differently. They wanted his death to be prolonged. So they just didn't use nails at first, they tied him up there. History has it for two days while he hung there, he preached the gospel. Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India. Jude, sometimes called Thaddeus, he was shot with arrows. Matthias, appointed after the death of Judas, was stoned, and then his lifeless body was carried and beheaded. Paul, the untimely born apostle, was tortured and beheaded in Rome. John was the only one who died peacefully as he was sentenced to the prison island of Patmos. God's holy word does not teach, come to Jesus and experience a life free from persecution. Church history does not mirror in any way your best life now. Reading the scriptures book by book, verse by verse, Genesis through Revelation, it is pointing every person who has been born again to what is to come. It's talking about Christ realizing who you are in Christ and what Christ has prepared for you that you will spend forever with Christ. It's not about your best life now. It's about glorifying Christ now because heaven's going to be all about glorifying Christ. The Protestant Reformation brought persecution as people returned to Sola Scriptura. When the Bible was printed and being distributed, men and women were being burned alive and having stones wrapped around their feet and being drowned publicly as a spectator. Now this may not happen to us, but this doesn't mean that we are not being persecuted in the here and the now. I love what James Montgomery Boyce wrote down years and years ago. It may take more grace And it may be a greater victory for a man to spend 40 years of his life at the same desk and the same office, watching other men being promoted over him, because he will not do the same things that are demanded of officers in his company than it would take for a John Huss to be burned at the stake for his testimony. And it may be more of a victory of a housewife to stay at home, raising a family in the things of the Lord with her nitpicking neighbors, laugh at her for being a humdrum and unglamorous. May we all take comfort in this and turn to Christ for the victory. Our journey home as believers will involve persecution as we live righteously, but don't miss the undeniable truth that we are blessed. Our journey home is a a blessing as well as our eternal home that we are to have our eyes gazed upon. Happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake because they belong to God and He is their joy. It's not their present circumstance. We we are blessed to know the Lord and we are blessed to live for the Lord. That's our journey home. Area two, arriving home. Look at Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Buster you and others, revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely in my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. One of the benefits of being a child of God is knowing the future. How many conversations have we entered into with people that don't know what's going to happen in the future? They are fearful of the future. As a child of God, we can rest and we know exactly what's going to happen. We know what will come to pass. We know the end game. Those who belong to Christ, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is a present truth as well as a future reality, an already and a not yet. Romans 8, beginning in verse 13 For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but as you receive the spirit of adoption as sons whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You see, you can't walk through Scripture and walk away saying, my life is going to be absent of suffering. You have to approach Scripture honestly in the reading of God's word holistically and say, as a Christian, I am going to suffer. But, You don't stop there. You see, all the sufferings in this present life are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We don't stop there. Our home with Christ, our home that is approaching, is far greater and far better than we can presently comprehend. You could spend the rest of your life studying heaven, looking at the scriptures, looking at what is to come, and you won't even understand exactly what it is for one millisecond and looking at what God has done. The most beautiful sunset or sunrise, the greatest view of the Grand Canyon or the Smoky Mountains, going to space and viewing what lies around our world or into the deep darkness. Nothing is worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We will be with Christ. Christ will be our light. Second Corinthians 4 reminds us of this struggle of the seen and the unseen, which the struggle of the seen and the unseen is something that you and I battle every day. Second Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of crave to show that this surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're not struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our mortal flesh. So it doesn't matter if you're young and you have health problems or you're old and you have health problems or you're in the middle and you have health problems or you're young or you're old and you don't have any health problems at all. You just see the age that's happening or you recognize how young you are compared to everybody else. Your life is about Christ. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You know, if you're married in this room, you understand that over and over and over again in your life. If you've been married for a while, that marriage is not about staying young together the rest of your life. It's about growing old together. It kind of stinks when you look back at your marriage pictures and you see that your wife hasn't changed a lick and you can't even recognize who you are. You recognize what a blessing that you've been given by the Lord. But dear Christian, as we walk this life and as we live for Jesus and the older we get and we start adding on more years to everything like anniversary high school graduation, college graduation, and you start looking back what you have been through, please, please, look ahead. Look to Christ. Look what is coming. Keep your eyes focused on what is going to happen, as if it's an already and not yet, because it is. Like Christ is so much better than all these different things. This light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen, they're transient, they're temporary, they're fading, they will not last. But the things that are unseen, they are eternal. This reminds us of the seen and the unseen. On one side of the scale is this. In this life, we have a light, momentary affliction. And it's painful. It causes hardships and trials and tears. And we run through the gambit with all this suffering. On the other side of the scale, an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. That means it's so much down here in Christ is so much up here it's not even worth talking about both this life and the life to come is about christ we must not look to what we can presently see with our eyes as this is it this is all that there is we've had too much of that in our own life and we have too much of those who have gone before us your house address doesn't matter this building, foundation of the Church, one day will be dead and buried and gone, just like the church of Corinth, the church of Philippi. We must focus on what is to come. Both this life and the life to come is about Christ. We must not look at what we can just presently see and say, this is it. This is all that there is. We must look to the things that are unseen, for that is eternal. That is what will last. What we see presently, it's temporary. The unseen is eternal. A glory beyond all comparison. God's word over and over and over again reminds us of the promises of God. We are told of what will come. Let this be where your mind finds rest. Know who you are in Christ and know what Christ has promised the righteous will enter the kingdom of heaven and their reward is not small in heaven their reward is great in heaven Don't focus on the greatness of what you can see with your eyes presently focus on the greatness of what Christ has promised Let us keep our eyes gazing on Christ and our approaching home Area 3 is highly important you're never ever alone You may think like Pastor I live alone I understand that. Pastor, I've gone through seasons in which I feel like friends haven't been there. I understand that. But you're never, ever alone. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So persecution will enter our lives as Christians. But we'll remain faithful during that persecution. Area two is our home is coming. Our reward is coming. We need to keep our eyes on Christ. And area three is we're never, ever alone. We are never, ever alone as God's children. Let me explain. Explanation number one, God is always with you. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven or on earth has been given to him. Go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching you to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So when is there a time that Christ is not with you? God is always with us. Number two, the church is forever. As difficult as it gets, if persecution gets even worse in the here and the now, the church is forever, isn't it? Matthew 16, now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon replied, and I love his reply, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him. Blessed are you, Summer by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is forever. Death could not hold Christ, and therefore, death cannot hold his children. God's people, his church, is forever. Area 3 of why we are not alone. Many men, women, youth, and children have gone before you. In nine years of this church, by God's grace, we have seen over 20 souls pass on to home. There is a long hallway through history in which we can walk, and many have had the same faith that we do, and they all suffered. Hebrews 11 is a great account of that. Matthew 5, verse 12 is clear. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You and I are not exempt. Hebrews 12:1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also... Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we look to Christ ultimately, but we also recognize there was a cloud of witnesses in which we can also look and, and view and be like, you know what? I'm not any different from them. I have a Savior in whom has suffered as I have, and yet I haven't suffered as much as him. There is men and women who have died in history for living for Christ. When you start looking at all of that, be like, you know what? All this, temporary, this suffering, it's temporary, and it's not worth comparing to the thing that is to come. And this truth is good for any type of suffering. God is always with us. The church is forever. And many have gone before us. Look at Matthew 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. This is an imperative. He commands you, rejoice and be glad, for the reward is great in heaven. So we are commanded by Christ to rejoice and be glad, for our reward is great in heaven as his children the happier our life would be if we would just listen to the commands of God and keep them. Our journey home is difficult, but we are blessed. We know who we are now in Christ, and we know what is to come. And we are to rejoice and thank the Lord. If you're suffering for the sake of the righteousness of Christ, what an honor it is for you to do so. Our home is approaching an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This is our reward. Let's think about that. Let's have our minds and our hearts focused upon that. Let's also asking ourselves the question, is my heart and mind really fixed on what is to come, or am I so consumed with the here and the now like the world? How am I living presently? What am I thinking about constantly? And are you... confident of your own salvation that you are saved? If you're not worshiping Christ now, what makes you think you'll be in heaven? I mean, it's all heaven's about. It's Christ. Do you find little things in your life in which you know please the Lord? Do you find holy living? Not to compare to your neighbor. Do you find holy living in which you see the commands of God and you're joyfully keeping them? Search your hearts and conform your life to the character of God that we find in these words from Jesus as he sat on the mountain teaching his disciples. And, Christian, I may or may not know what you're going through this morning, but please be encouraged. We are never, ever alone. Do not live this Christian life in isolation by ignoring the family in which Christ has adopted you into. Live in community. Live with encouragement. Live with accountability. I'll just get over this simple truth. You have problems, welcome to the club I have problems too. We all have problems. We all need each other. If you travel this road in isolation over a long period of time, you will become defeated and your life will look like that of a fool. Don't be like that. You need brothers and sisters in Christ. Because this life is difficult. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecuted but let's glorify God as we're persecuted. Let us be persecuted for righteous sake, not for sin, not for rebellion. Let us be persecuted because we are living for the Lord, amen? Father, I thank you for your holy word. Father, as we confront you, our holy God, with our many, many sins, We pray for patience with us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us by your spirit to put the death the deeds of the body so that we can live a pleasing life before you and to you. Forgive us, Lord, when we have feared man more than we have feared you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your holy word. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.